James McAvoy discusses his time with the X-Men franchise, and he admits that he has some regrets on the fact that they did not explore the relationship between Professor X and Magneto. Also, if you feel that you saw sparks between Namor and Shuri and Black Panther Wakanda forever, you're right. And Michael P. Shaver explains why in his interview in Newsweek. And today is November 30th, 2022, new comic book day. And JT is here to give us his top picks on what he found at his local comic book shop. I'm your host, Amir, and this is the One in 100 podcast. So James McAvoy did an interview with GQ magazine uh, and he was reflecting on his time with the X-Men franchise and how he actually had some regrets on the fact that they didn't explore Professor X and Magneto a little bit more in the four films that uh, he was in. And this is what he had to say. He said, my biggest criticism of what we did throughout the four movies was that after the first movie, we didn't take advantage of the relationship between Xavier and Magneto, which really formed the backbone of this first film. So it was like, why did we just eject that massive weapon? And, you know, if you've seen these movies, you you know that um, Professor X and uh, Magneto, these two started out as friends you know and they formed the first class our first class of x-men and after a while they started to grow apart because they were two sides of the same coin you know as far as protecting the mutant uh kind and honestly i agree with them this would have been something great to build upon in the films and see more verbal conflict between the two of them. Both the guys that played uh, Professor X and, and Magneto did an excellent job actually playing those characters. And I would have loved to see them develop uh, their relationship a little bit more, you know, and attack the world in two different ways. Uh, it would have been great. So, yeah, like he said, they they had this massive, you know, uh, bomb and that they didn't use. And it's unfortunate. But I guess the question really is that fans have now after he did bring up the fact that, you know, he was disappointed in, you know, the films and not exploring that relationship between the two main characters is, is he going to be showing up in any MCU movies? Um, and he kind of deflected in, in this interview by saying that no one has reached out to him and all that stuff and that he would you know he was satisfied with what he did as far as you know the character but he wouldn't mind doing it again if he was reached out to but he hasn't been so you know how that goes and he also i think said that he wouldn't he wouldn't say whether or not he was reached out to and everything we already know kevin foggy has has his spies out here in the world that will zip those lips up real quick <laughs> if you decide to spoil anything so you know take that with a grain of salt we know how the mcu does with their major secrets so i would definitely 
keep an eye out just to see, you know, maybe James McAvoy does pop up again later on down the line. Maybe they're waiting for him to get a little older, you know, to look a little older, look a little bit more like Professor X. But, you know, we'll see. It was a very uh, interesting article. And it's a, it's a shame that these movies didn't hit as hard as they could have when they reset it, everything in the X-Men universe. But hey, who knows? Maybe they will bring some of these guys back when they decide to finally start building the X-Men world in the MCU. But with that said, let's kick it over to JT and see what new universes he jumped into on new comic book day, November 30th, 2022. JT, what's up, man? Listen, it's week five of November. What were you able to find on New Comic Book Day this week, brother? I know, bruh. It's been it's been a hectic week, but we had some good picks this week. Um first we've got Chuck Brown's Flawed, nice. which is this is on issue three of five. It's uh, been really good so far. We're still getting more of the mystery with the uh skinwalker and what was going on with Jim. You know, she um, obviously took him out real bad in the first issue, but then we realized that he's connected to some really powerful people. <laughs> and yeah. And it's like, they're going out of their way to make sure that he's protected, but at a cost. Right. And meanwhile, they went and they hired what would be a, a really, in my opinion, a, a kind of a dope assassin. And she's going after Jim on top of, you know, this one detective trying to figure out what's actually going on. What's the connection between um, Setham, the, the city that all this is happening in, and, you know, the political connections and these monsters. And it's really been a solid read, you know. So, you know, hats off to Chuck Brown to that. I'm going to yeah, definitely keep picking this up. I'm definitely going to keep recommending this. The next one I had was uh, Darth Vader number 29. Mm. And this one brings us with... Uh, once again, the handmaiden that was one of Princess Amidala's um, body doubles. You know, like, if you ever saw episode one for Star Wars, yes. there was like yes. multiple women who looked like the queen. And yeah. like one of them, uh, Sebe, she um, actually like links up with Vader. Like she is literally like in the oh. Empire now, but they don't know if she's a double agent or not. And then another um, Dorme, she shows out, and she's another handmaid. There's a bunch of them. And she's there to try to, quote, unquote, rescue her. And it just turns into this whole thing where she's not there, and Vader sent her to take out this um, agitator to the Empire. And the big question is, does she actually do it? Does she pull the trigger? And can one of her closest friends actually find her in time and save her from what she believes to be uh, danger from the Empire. Even though, to be honest with you, I don't know the way she's been acting. It seems like <laughs> she likes that role a lot. Yeah. And um, as one of the um, infiltrators from Crimson Dawn, um, Mr. Ochi of Bastoon, who, quote-unquote, is loyal to Vader, as he actually points out to her, you know, your friend's been... Uh, instrumental in killing quite a few people so we don't know whose side she's really on and then uh, next up after that um, you know I'm going to keep the action going 
So yeah. the next one we have was um, Captain America, Symbol of Truth, nice. number seven. So this is the Sam Wilson title. And this one basically finds um, Sam in the middle of some political and governmental intrigue. And this book is written by um, Anabuchi. And um, what basically the book is, is um, Sam is basically catching up right after an assassination and he literally is trying to get to the bottom of this yeah. and what the connection is and this foreign power and that same assassination actually took out his falcon you yep. know yep. so now he's in the hospital and, and sam's over here trying to solve this crime so what the government says is okay fine you, you want to go you want to go off the grid but we're going to send someone with you and they end up sending Nomad. And for people who don't know who Nomad okay, is, this is, I suggest go back. go. Yeah, this is this is where right. And it's not just that though. I mean, Nomad goes to town, and I don't know if he's helping the rescue or if he's just there to take people out. And the interesting <laughs> part is, is that at the end of the day, the the interesting part is then we get an introduction of a new character. But this is after all Marvel, so it being a new character. Doesn't mean that it's um doesn't mean that it's literally it doesn't mean that it's you know like she's gonna have or he is gonna have legs. It's just it's an interesting little bit of spec for anybody who's into that. You know, right. so it wasn't really a bad one. But then I'm gonna save the best for me for last. I mean, not that the other books weren't solid or good, but next up we have Philadelphia number twenty-five. Oh yeah. And when I tell you this issue had me hurt. For a second. I mean, it's really Anansi having a conversation with Carson. Carson, I think is how you say the demon. Yes. And you, yes. so now you have a demon having a discussion with a God about the importance of humanity and what it means to not actually go to war. And the funny part is, and he made a deal with Anansi and it was an interesting deal. What he made with him about, you know, if you can convince me, then maybe we won't continue. Mm. The thing is, if I was if I was everybody who's been reading Philadelphia up until now, I would definitely pick this up to see yeah. if he actually convinced him or not. Not <sighs> that by the time this is over and done with, it's going to matter. Because during war, you always are going to have a loss. And we end up losing somebody. And I and it, and it wow. hurt me when this person went. I'm not, Obviously, I'm not going to say who. I don't right. do spoilers like that because I, I want people to support their shops. And to go out and pick up these books, I would definitely say, though, this was definitely a really well-written book by Rodney Barnes. Um, I'm going to continue to support this and everything he's doing in this little universe. Right. And, you know, that's it. Those, those were my picks for the week. Nice. Nice. I hate to be the guy that rushes you off the off the lot, off the chat, but uh, I got to go read Philadelphia now. <laughs> <laughs> you you believe believe you me brother you're not gonna regret it the art's a little different i will i will tell you mm -hmm. that though okay. I, I don't think that our, our boy um uh, mr Jason alexander yeah, yeah I, I don't think he's uh, i don't know i mean he did the covers and actually yeah so if you look mm -hmm. at cover a, it gives you an indication they, they basically tell you there's death in this book they don't tell you yeah. who but right. you can you can definitely see it and it's yeah 
but it was definitely a solid read. All all of them were solid reads. Um, nice. So I really encourage everybody to go out and support the shops. And, you know, hopefully I gave them something that they, they're going to be interested in um, picking up and reading. For sure, man, for sure. Uh, once again, we thank you for, uh, you know, checking in with us and giving us those great reviews. And uh, we will catch you next week, my brother. All right, brother. Take it easy, everybody. Thanks again to JT for his dope comic book reviews for this week's new comic book day. Uh, So let's get to this Wakanda Forever uh, update. You know, as the movie, you know, is in the movie theaters longer, you know, more news and stuff comes out about the making of the movie and everything like that. Um, So the Newsweek did an interview with uh, Michael P. Shaver, and he explained that there was some potential Shuri Namor romantic uh, connection in the movie uh, before they edited the movie. So he was one of the editors on the movie alongside Kelly Dixon and Jennifer Lame. And I'm pretty sure Ryan Coogler was also in there in the room alongside Nate Moore. Um, But basically what he said in this interview was, I think it was really interesting that there were takes where there was some connection there, he said. And at one point in the early cut, we discussed like, hey, do we leave it in there or do we put it out there? Let's just add some complexity to the relationship. But then you've got to watch out for portraying. For example, Shuri flirting to get what she wants as opposed to being a diplomatic leader and becoming the leader she needs to be that you'll get at the end of the movie. So that was the first part of of that quote and of that interview. And we'll just break it down from there. I agree with how they edited the movie. Um Putting Shuri in a situation where she has to be a diplomatic leader, where she has to show strength, where she has to show poise and, you know, stand on her own too, uh, against this, you know, anti-hero in Namor who wants to kill, you know, this scientist. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it, I'm sorry, but there's spoilers everywhere. Uh, <laughs> but who wants to kill this scientist who will leave unnamed for those who haven't seen it? And it it led for a better ending of in the movie, in my opinion. It showed that Shuri could actually be the leader of Wakanda. It showed that Shuri grew up. It showed um, that it also showed that Namor was coming from his point of view was, you know, very similar to Wakanda's where they wanted to be able to maintain their independence from the rest of this world that is just trying to use them for their strength and their vibranium um, and their power. So leaving them, you know, having that type of connection where it's two uh, heads of countries, you know, having some strong debates and having some really strong differences of opinion. I think that made for a better film. Uh, I'm very happy they didn't go the romantic route because honestly, that would have bored the hell out of me. But 
He also goes on to say later on in the interview that the team decided to focus on this one line that Namor said in the movie. Uh, And he says that only the most damaged people can be truly great leaders. Uh, And that was kind of like planting the seed of shared trauma that Shuri later realizes at the end of the movie. Um, So that was really interesting. Basically, he kind of states that Namor saying that and giving Shuri, you know, this ideas in her head that these two kind of come from the same world and kind of share some of the same traumas. It kind of put him in like a big brother position without him actually saying it, you know, and when you see the end of the movie, you see that these two um, somewhat unite and, you know, now they have this this uh, connection where it's like, listen, if you guys need us, we got you. If you guys need us, we got you, you know, so it's really cool how they how Ryan Coogler and the whole editing team put that together, because apparently like this movie was really like four hours long and they cut it down to two hours and 40 minutes so i'm like very excited to see what deleted scenes we'll get and uh when this movie finally comes out on you know digital release and everything like that but it was a very interesting uh interview that michael p shaver uh you know did about you know how they edited that down but hey you were not wrong when you were sitting in that movie theater and you're looking at Shuri and the way she's looking at Namor and the way Namor looking at her. And then he gives her the bracelet. And you're just like, man, wait, hold up, hold up. Are these two feeling each other? So those things were, that was part of it, man. Like there was some connection that was supposed to be there, but they chose to kind of manipulate it in a different way. So I thought that that was a really awesome uh, interview, but that'll do it for today's episode of the one in 100 podcast. Remember to hit that subscribe button, share it with your friends and also leave a comment uh, everywhere where the major podcasts are found on all the major platforms uh, we can be found. So definitely share it, subscribe and do all that stuff and tune in Saturday. Me and Kay will be discussing uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. Uh, you know, Kay is a big fan of the Guardians of the Galaxy and I'm, you know, somewhat of a fan. I, I can't be mad at the movies. They're pretty good movies. So we'll be talking about that amongst other things. So we'll see you then. Make sure that you continue to be good to yourself and be good to others. And yeah, I'm your host, Amir, and this is the One in 100 podcast.